show, man. I appreciate you being here and I uh, really look forward to hearing your story. Maybe you can give us a, a little bit of color on your background and, you know, kind of what led you to this point. Yeah, sure, Joe. Thanks for having me. Buddy. Yeah. My story, real simple. I'll give you the three minute version. Uh, I was the child of a wonderful, loving family, very broke, grew up in a trailer park in Canyon Teo, Texas. And uh, my dad decided to, you know, go and take the entrepreneurship dream. And he had no idea how to bill, had no idea how to charge, had no idea how to collect. A few months in, my mom loses her job. The fight happens. The frying pan goes flying across the room. And I hear the words, a real man can feed his family. You don't collect, don't come home. I got to be the charity piece. We drive up to this guy's house, not far from where I live now. That guy, all of about five foot nine, standing next to my dad at six foot four, I knew exactly what was going to happen. He was going to go in. He could kill this guy with a napkin. We were going to collect. We were going to get our money. We were going to go home. He was going to feed his family. He was going to continue with his business. Everything was going to be fucking great. Only that's not what happened. I watched this five foot nine little weasel of a man who's seven years old own my dad with money. I watched my dad go from demanding to asking to begging to groveling. He collected a fraction of the sum he was owed. And uh, true to his word, he came home. He quit his business. He gave up on his financial dreams that next day. We drove down to the local Smiths. I rode back with a box of ramen noodles on my lap. And I didn't learn about money. I didn't learn about business. I learned about hatred. And I learned about hatred for anybody that used money as leverage to control and screw people. And, uh, you know, probably for many years became somebody that was absolutely against business people and then realized that you are only going to become successful through leveraging time and wanted to go and set my dad free. I never got to do that. He passed away before I was ever able to do that. And now I try to set everyone free, trying to make sure people have the formulas, the systems, the tools. And in fact, I don't think we'll probably have time for it on this podcast, but I will send you this. Here's one formula that I'll email you right after we get off this call that will work in every business, every industry, anywhere. And it will set people free. It helps solve the biggest problem anybody ever has, which is thinking you shouldn't have any fucking problems. It helps get close <laughs> to the problems, identify the problems, inspect the problems, fall in love with the problem. It's called falling in love because it's not a controlled landing. It's a fucking crash, right? And so when you fall in love with the problem, you understand the problem. You can't solve what you can't see. And what kills you in life is what kills you in business. It's the shit you don't see coming, the shit you can't see. And so this formula gives you the three things you need in a business, the three goals, four things you measure, and six things you can change. And if you use this in every business, every industry, it becomes real simple. And every recession, or now that our economy is fucking trans, as uh, Uncle Joe Biden says, uh, we're just in a transition, not a recession. Uh, now that our economy is fucking trans, because we're all pro-trans, right? And uh, then, hey, you know, we can get excited about that recession. If you're an entrepreneur, if you're a creator, guess what? You love a good recession. There's more buying opportunities. I love opportunities. I'm so fucking excited about this recession. It's going to be fantastic. Anyway, <laughs> that's my story, man. I love, dude, I love the foundation and the transition. I mean, at some point, witnessing that, that, that being your childhood, at what point did like the, the, the switch flick where you were like, I don't want that for myself. I want to create instead of, you know, living that hatred. Oh man, it was, it was, I mean, in all honesty, it was probably, Hatred, anger, and fear from seven years old to, I mean, in a way, probably 2019, just a few years ago, um, I went out to go and heal my dad's wounds. I, I, I 
judged and hated business people because I felt like a business person had taken advantage of my father. Then I realized that my dad was in a job and, you know, your job is going to pay you just enough to get you to compromise on your fucking dreams and go work for that asshole forever. And so, you know, and, and so I realized, okay, well, business, maybe, maybe it's not all evil. Maybe there's a way to add value. And I became a corporate son of a bitch. I mean, I became very transactional. And then my enemy wasn't people in business. It was bad businesses. And so I would go into unorganized industries. I'm, I'm a nerd. Like you can tell by the giant head and the tiny shoulders. And I would find these disorganized industries and I'd be like, oh, fuck this, man. I got to destroy those disorganized companies because I can create a more efficient process. I can build a formula-driven system that's going to better serve the customer, better service my staff, better service my team. And, and so then I go to war with other businesses and war is never good. <laughs> and so I became a corporate transactional asshole. And then 2019, my dad passed away. He sat in his favorite chair and he uh, went to sleep, didn't wake up. First time I'd ever lost love. And at that point, that, that was probably the major turning point. By this point, I, I, I had several businesses, a lot of more automated. I developed formulas. I mean, you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, right? When you want to make God smile, you should laugh with God. And on that day, that was the worst day of my life. It was also the best day of my life. When my dad passed, he taught me the greatest lesson. It ain't money that's the meaning of life, it's love. But money's a beautiful fucking resource. And if you have that resource, it's sort of like an amplifier. Somebody's got none of it. Nobody cares who the fuck they are. They have no impact outside of maybe their wife and their family and whatever. But the person with money, the person with that resource can compound it, send it out there. Holy shit, you can lift the world. You can go out and bring a message that actually serves, actually gives, honors people. That's It's beautiful. That's awesome, brother. And I appreciate you being so vulnerable with that story because I know that's not easy to share. And it's probably something that, you know, hits you hard. How do you see yourself differently today than like before circa 19 like you know how do you do you do you operate differently do you do you communicate differently oh <laughs> yes in every way every single way um i believe love is a paradox it's actually the formulas i'm gonna send you anytime there's a paradox there's truth right and i'll, I'll explain it real quick so if, if you look at uh why did well let's let's play this game can god create a rock so big that god cannot lift the rock Hmm. And the answer is, of course, yes. Yeah, of course. And then the answer is also, of course, no. Mm -hmm. And there's a paradox. And then there's also a paradox of deserving. Like, like because a lot of your entrepreneurs in your audience, the thing that prevents them from starting or the thing that prevents them from scaling is they, they, they just have this imposter syndrome. They don't know if they deserve. Mm. Well, if you're a Christian, and I mean, that's what I was raised. So I, you know, but whatever religion, there's examples in every religion, uh, or even people that aren't religious, there's examples. Like, but let's use the Christian one just because that's easy. Why did Christ come? Because we didn't deserve. So why did Christ come? So we could deserve. If you are in service, you are giving. We all know givers gain. If you're doing an incision, you're going in. If you're in service, you're in with that other person. Like we, we are in communication. If we de-communication, we end the call right now, right? So to make a decision to cut off, to make an incision to cut in. In-service is in-service. De-service is cutting off. There's a paradox. Anyone who's worried about this is absolutely fucking themselves. The moment you even have that thought, that doubt, you kill yourself. Well, love's a paradox, too. And here's the really interesting paradox. This is what my dad taught me on that day. Everyone demonizes love when it's conditional. Are you married, brother? I am, yep. Okay, and you want unconditional love, right? Sure. Were there vows in your marriage? There were. 
are those conditions. They are. So unconditional love is built on the standards and the agreements we make in our vows, which are conditions. Hmm. In other words, one type of love sits on the structure of the previous type of love. And, and here's where it's beautiful. There's unconditional and conditional are, are, are similar. It's just one, you do not have an expectation of reciprocation. It's literally the only difference. Mm. If I unconditionally love you, I'm going to do something for you. I'm going to transact with you. I'm going to transfer action to you. If I conditionally love you, I'm going to transfer action to you with an expectation of reciprocation that you're going to transfer action back, right? We have an agreement. Mm. Well, so let's look at this love paradox. And, and here's where it's fascinating because love can be measured. Did you know that? First time I'm hearing it. You love someone as much as you're willing to suffer for. Mm. Do you believe in killing? If it's necessary, yeah. But you don't want to, right? Sure, no, of course not. Would you kill for your wife or family if somebody was threatening them? Sure. Drop that. I don't mm -hmm. believe in killing. I'm not interested in dying. Those are outside of my conditions. But I would break my fucking conditions today mm -hmm. if somebody was to hurt my kids. No doubt. None whatsoever. I will break my conditions because I love them that much. You love someone as much as you're willing to suffer for them. So here's the paradox of love. Say I unconditionally, I have no conditions, transfer action, transact with you, somebody else, somebody else, somebody else. Only you, Joe, reciprocate. I have no condition on it, but maybe you give me a smile or you run, give me a hug. Brother, what's up? You know what? That felt so fucking good because maybe I transferred action to five people. You're the only one that reciprocated. I just got rewarded. Mm -hmm. Unlike God, who's infinite, we're finite. We only got a certain amount of time. If you rewarded me, maybe not even in kind, just a reward. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. Wow. I felt it. And everything we do in life, every fucking sale you ever make, they're buying emotionally. The moment you gave me the emotion, the energy in motion right back, now we have a relationship. So the line, which is beginning to end of transaction, turned into a circle the moment you reciprocated. A circle has no end. It became unconditional. It was an unconditional reciprocation. And therefore, a relationship is something we can sail together. We have a friendship forever. And so there's paradoxes through all of this. That was the thing my dad taught me on the day he passed. And then I just stopped giving a shit about expectations. Everything I expected from anyone else, I stopped giving a shit about. Now, I cared about standards. If you and I have an agreement, hey, I'm going to do X, you're going to pay me X. Okay, that's a standard. We have an agreement on it. It's a little different than expectation. But I used to be the guy that got pissed in traffic. When a guy that I'd never talked to did something I disagreed with and I'd never communicated with him that I didn't want him to. And I didn't know what his day was like. And I was pissed off. <laughs> How fucking stupid is it to be pissed off at a guy that you've never told not to do the stupid shit he's doing? That makes you just as stupid. <laughs> so, I mean... I got pissed off at people because I had expectations on them that I had no right to have in every area of life, faith, family, fitness, finance, all of it. And my dad taught me to end that. Not that it never resurfaces. We're, we're pattern-oriented beings, but now it resurfaces for a minute or two. It doesn't stay for days or weeks. Does that make sense? 100%. Yeah. Dude, I love your energy and passion. This is awesome. So you're telling me none of this happened before in 2019. You didn't think this way. You didn't act this way. You no. didn't think about transacting. You were, you were much more ruthless. You just went to the, to the business end of things. 
I was a cutthroat corporate motherfucker. I was the exact guy <laughs> that every Democrat hates. I I was uh, I I was in it for the transaction. But here here's the thing: like, pain is part of the story. Like everybody's greatest weakness is also their greatest strength. The the best day of my life is the day my dad passed away. The worst day of my life is the day my dad passed away. My dad was my greatest fucking teacher. Mm. Like, I can see that at, from a victim story where I have nothing to fucking do about it. Or I can see that in a different way where I can say, holy shit, this beautiful man that taught me to do all these things, whether it was fix my car, do this, do this. I mean, unlimited. Taught me the greatest fucking lesson of the day. Made my life so much better. And I can make an empowering story out of it. And maybe it's true and maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe it doesn't fucking matter what he taught me. But here's the thing. Should I go live miserable my entire fucking life? Or should I go use this lesson and say, hey, this shit really helped. Maybe it'll help other people too. If there's only two sources of pain and one is ignorance, hey, I don't know this is wrong, so I'm going to try it and, you know, then I'll learn. And then there's stupidity. I do know this is wrong and I'm going to do it anyway because I'm a dumbass, right? <laughs> so if there's only two sources of pain and I can eliminate the stupidity part because I can take the worst moment and create an empowering story and go out and lift someone up and if you look at every single successful fucking person on the planet that is truly successful, not just monetarily successful. I mean, they have faith, they have family, they have fitness, they have finance, they have all four of the cores of the human being. If you look at the person that's truly successful, what do they become? All of them, a philanthropist. All of them. Yeah. Why? We're all givers here. We just got to get through the bullshit on the outside. I love it, man. We talk about this a lot. Like, you know, uh, every problem is a problem of perspective, right? Which is kind of what you're saying there. It's like looking at, at your adversities and creating opportunities out of them instead of just dwelling on the adversity and living your life as a victim. I, you know, so much power in what you're saying. I love it. So, so what would you advise somebody who's 20 years old, Preston, who's getting ready to go out there? And I'm assuming it took a few years to get to the, the 2019 transition you know, what did you, what did you look back on? And I don't want to say you had regret, but thought to yourself, man, if I would have done that differently. Oh, what do I look back on? Like biggest regrets, you know, and, and, and this is going to be so cliche. Okay. Like <laughs> I, I, mean, I can go into biggest regrets and I, I can tell you a story about how my wife's childhood best friend robbed us of a quarter million dollars after we pulled him out of the fucking ghetto and like all this other shit. Just, 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 dynamically damaged our lives for a few years. I could tell you stories uh, about how, you know, a former mentor of mine, like, you know, Tony Robbins with RRI, he was a mentor of mine, I was paying. And I opened a travel agency and started traveling the world with a bunch of friends. And then I got a lawsuit letter from his company where he was suing me, he was a guy that was mentoring me, he's an abundance guy, why is he suing me? And, and, and luckily that settled and it went away, thank God. But, I, you know, there've been failures, there've been successes, but honestly, like if I'm real, like I'm so fucking grateful for all of them. Mm. Like, yeah, I feel, I feel the same way. Yeah. You know, had I not gotten embezzled by that kid that was my wife's childhood best friend, I would not have learned the language of accounting. Like I had a bookkeeper that wasn't reconciling bank accounts and should have been, and I didn't know to measure that. I don't hire managers in any of my companies. I hire measures. Well, those key performance indicators that you should be measuring, if you don't know what they are, you can't solve what you don't see. Mm -hmm. You know, had, had, had Tony Robbins not come after me, 
in that, and I don't know if it was Tony, and I don't know if it was R.I., and it doesn't even matter. Like, I'm grateful for Tony. He was a blessing in my life. But had he not come after me, like, right after my father passed, I delegated so much of this, like, fatherly energy to Tony, right? And then, and then when his organization came after me, they were like, oh, you're copying us or some shit. I don't, it, and we weren't. So when they came after me, you know what it said? I delegated this fatherly energy after my father passed. And I learned that I don't need a leader. Mm. I can be the fucking leader. Like, so even though a mentor came after me, that was one of the greatest fucking gifts I've ever had. That mentor gave me a gift. I mean, the abundance guy may be more fucking abundant in a weird way. I mean, maybe <laughs> fucking planet. I mean, Tony gives people breakthroughs all the fucking time. He might yep. be that smart. I don't know. But <laughs> like, like, I, I, so my biggest fuck ups, biggest, huge, not being grateful for every fucking problem. Okay. Here's, here's your 20 year old analogy and all the 20 year olds listening. I hope you know this. You want to be something. You want to be something, right? Like say, say you want to be the next Bill Gates, the next Elon Musk, the next, you know, Joe, the next Preston, whatever, the next Tony Robbins. You want to be something. Well, just like a flower, there's a seed portion, right? And you need the problems, problems and gifts. You take that seed and you shove it in a giant pile of shit water we call the shit fertilizer because we like to be politically correct which means fundamentally <laughs> dishonest okay and then you take that pile of shit you add water and a few weeks later people will lean down dude six inches above a pile of shit to smell the flower the problem story is a gift my biggest issue pre-2019 pre-2019 is i hated problems i got mad about shit now i get excited about shit and maybe maybe i'm weird maybe i'm crazy but <laughs> Like I see problems and I get fucking thrilled. Like it, it's like, I, I mean, maybe I'm crazy or something, but like problems turn me on. Like I, I'm just like, oh fuck, let's go there. Let's dig there. That's the map, man. There's an inefficiency we can solve. I love problems. I am grateful for my fucking problems. You know what happens when you're grateful for your problems? You solve them faster. And then if you start looking, well, what's the meaning of life? Wait a minute, it's problems. The meaning of life is problems. If, 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 if you're religious and most religions believe like we were somewhere better, say heaven, right? And then we came here to be finite, to be born, which is, I, I don't remember it, but probably a very uncomfortable experience. <laughs> and then eventually to go through this system of problems where you learn shit the whole time and then to die, which I haven't done it yet, but it's probably also a very uncomfortable experience. Mm. What's the meaning of life if it's not learning, which means solving problems? Holy shit. When you start falling in love with the problems and you get grateful for the problems, wow. Then you can handle bigger problems. Then you get trusted by more people or more powerful people. I, I have the privilege and honor of coaching on a weekly basis for billionaires. Four billionaires reach out to me. I mean, look, my companies do some significant revenue. My revenue is probably a billion dollars every four or five years if I add it all up, okay? These guys have billions and call because I've solved big fucking problems. Problems are gifts. And I want to solve bigger problems. Like when you fall in love with the idea that the adversity, the challenge is where you should go. What does the knight in shining armor do? He fights the fucking dragon. 
He doesn't like run away and say, well, we better be careful. <laughs> I, I, I wonder what the dragon's pronouns are. Fuck you. Shut up. Wake up. Mm -hmm. Just be real. Find the fucking problem and solve it. What is a sale? It's a solution. Everyone that you make a sale to is solving a problem they have. So yeah. when you open a business, it's literally the machine you're creating for solving a problem. Yeah, I, I literally, it takes me back to, um, a lot of people follow uh, Cameron Harold, who was the guy who uh, was the COO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, right? And he has this, uh, this book called Meetings Suck. And the whole gist of the book is, if you're not having a meeting to solve a problem, you shouldn't be having a meeting, right? We have all these corporations do their weekly marketing meeting, their weekly catch up, their weekly sales meeting, like have a meeting to solve problems. And so I just got off my company's weekly meeting this morning. And it's amazing because people bring problems and it's hard for them to admit to a problem a lot of times, but man, when that solution comes, you know, we always rate the meeting at the end, one through 10, you, get, you have these hard dig deep issue solving meetings. And then you go, okay, rate the meeting. Everyone's like nine, 10, nine, 10. It's like, man, isn't it amazing when we put our shit out there and, and admit I need help. This is an issue. This is something I have. And the team rallies around and creates a solution. There's no better feeling than that, in my opinion. I love it. And what was the guy's name? Because I want to write that down. Oh, Cameron Harold. He's a he's a he's a he's a big dude. He has a COO mastermind. Um, he's an operator. You know, you got you got you got your visionaries and your operators and your integrators. Um, he's just a, a self-driven operator, and he has a mastermind about it. Um, that my partner, my COO, went to years ago. But um, I just always love that takeaway. You know, it's like, why are we meeting for meeting's sake? Like, you know, we have to solve issues while we're on these meetings, and it creates more momentum, more growth, more push. You know, and, and ultimately it helps your people become better uh, holistic people. They're learning to solve problems to your point. I'm, I'm writing that down. I'm, I'm so new to this like social media world, podcast world. I was like so <laughs> behind the scenes and introverted and building systems and machines and formulas and stuff. And, and now like every time I come on or meet somebody who's doing this and I love what you're doing, Joe, like going out and coaching people and helping people. Yep. I've just really gotten into this space in the last, what, five, six years, and most of it in the last two. Yep. And every time I hear a name, you're like, oh, that sounds like this. God, I got to write it back. I'm like, I want to hear more. I want to hear more. I want to hear more. Like so many people with so many good ideas that I'm learning from. Well, you're spoken like a seasoned vet, brother, and you got plenty of, plenty of uh, success to back it up. What would you suggest to somebody who is, you know, getting their first business off the ground? Because I know you're a metrics, a KPI, a process guy. Like, I think a lot of that stuff, it overwhelms people. Like, what do you look at as like the basic building blocks for a team? And I'm sure it's probably going to be on your handout that you send out, but I'm starting out. I got five people, three people, and I'm going to build and I want to scale. I can't stand the word scale, but I want to grow and, and, and get to that next level. What do you, what do you suggest for that type of person? What do I suggest for that type of person? So, well, let, let me, let me, let me refine the example because I'm very much a data guy. And then I want you mm -hmm. to tell me which type okay. of person because got it. Everyone's a map, everyone's point A to point B. Okay, that's mm -hmm. everyone wants more, but depending on where they're at, uh, that's how you help them get where they're going. So I look at entrepreneurs in several stages. Do you have the non-starts? The non-starts are the guys that can't get out of their head, they can't go make a sale, they, they don't understand their first most important hire is themselves and they just gotta get off their ass and do something. They got a mindset issue. Then you have the startups. These people have taken a risk, they've dove in, they're in a race to get some cash. They're in a race for sustainability, but they had an idea and, and they started, they took a risk, which is, is so admirable. Then you have what I call the slaves. Okay. And these are operational entrepreneurs. These people are slaves to their own business. They got out of a job, didn't want to be a slave to some boss. And now they realize the business needs them 
80 hours a week and they're slaves to their business. Okay. So that's your operational entrepreneur. Then you have your entrepreneur. These guys, they realize not a spectator sport, it's team sport. They've really built, developed, measured, managed teams. They have a small operational business that they can work on, not in. You then have your megapreneur. Okay. Now it's an operational megapreneur because the entrepreneur, he may be making 20, 30, 50 grand a month. He's doing well, but you can't live on that kind of money. I mean, that's just shit money. You know, I don't want 20, 30, 50 grand a month. I want a million a month or 2 million a month. Like I got into this to have private jets and shit, not to go make 50 grand a month and live on the house on the hill and pretend I'm successful. Right. So <laughs> when, 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 when you're that operational entrepreneur, you go to entrepreneur, you're like, wait, there's more, there's fucking more. And so that's where you go to operational megapreneur. You're back to 80 hours a week, but now you're borrowing 20, 30, 50 million dollars. You're doing the same shit you did operational entrepreneur. Well, you're doing it at much larger scale with much larger deals. You're not a home builder. You're a neighborhood developer. You're building a hundred homes at a time, not one, right? And, and, then, and then all of a sudden you do the same thing you did and you bring in the teams, you bring in this, 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 professional management, some higher level people at this point, but now you're the megapreneur. Now you're free. Now you're like, okay, now I'm a megapreneur. I'm no longer growing. I've got this new problem. It's the government. It's taxes. What the hell? How do I do that? I should probably buy airplanes. I should probably buy multifamily and get 100% bonus depreciation. I should do this, 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 this. And so which one of those categories do you want me to hit? Because I, I love that you're breaking it down. Honestly, I think you've almost, the way you brought it down, would you actually, is, is part of your suggestion that you have to go through those levels to get to there? Like, in other words, I have to start out and I have to work my way through that ranking system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so uh, absolutely. Like I meet people all the time and they're like, Hey, I want to have a business. And I say, what's business? You know, I remember when my first mentor, you should definitely get him on your show. He is starting to do this like, podcast circuit. His yeah. name is Dean Innes. The guy is a freaking genius. I call him genius because he's that fucking smart. Your head will hurt. Nice. Um, but he was one of my first business mentors. He asked, what's a business? And at this point I had seven. Mm. I had seven fucking businesses. Mm. I was working 80, 90 hours a week. I had a kid that was born. I didn't see him for like a year. I was a shit parent. Yep. I was a good parent to my businesses. I was a shit husband, but I was a good parent to my businesses. Like not, 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 not happiness, bro. Like just work, right? And he said, what's a business? And I'm like, oh, dude, it's a place I go to work. And he said, well, what's that apartment community we just bought? Because he, he was an investor on the apartment he like put together. I was like, oh, that's an investment. That's amazing, <laughs> right? And he was like, why, why, why is it an investment? And I was like, well, you know, I mean, we put some money in, and we did this and we did that, and, you know, and now we just get a check every month and I don't stress like I do with the businesses. And he said, okay, why can't a business be an investment? I was like, and, and, and it was like this, uh, you know, like, like, like your brain's like, what do I do? Yeah. And then he's like, every single public traded company is an investment to someone. And this blew my mind. Because that meant that your idea with the right measurements, metrics, KPIs, and automations can become an investment. You can create wealth. I had a company that somebody paid me 50 grand to take three years ago. It'll make $25 million this year. I mean, on an eight times EBITDA multiple, I can sell it for $200 million. People are out there like flipping a house. They're like, I'm gonna make a hundred grand. I'm like, I'm gonna make $200 million, $50,000. Mm -hmm. Because I can automate an idea instead of putting cash in like an investment. So everyone has to go through those stages or you have to buy into a stage that's there, okay? Mm -hmm. Which is why I love inefficiency so much. This was a larger company that was on a massive decline because they didn't know how to run it at the time in an industry that was shifting 
that I understood. And I was able to go in, buy it, turn it, twist it, shape it. And, and I say, buy it. They had like $300,000 to some of their trades. They paid me 50. I put up 250, which if I didn't have it at that point, I couldn't have bought in, right? I got that money back selling some of the inventory and then I scaled. Well, I had to go buy in, take risks, take this. Everybody that messages me on social media is like, hey, how do I get a business? And that's their idea of a business. But, you know, my idea of a business beginning was it's a place I go to work. So guess what it was? A place I went to work. Actually, seven. So I had seven jobs and I was a slave. <laughs> now my idea of a business is it's an idea that can become an investment where my idea is the main investment and getting other people to believe in my idea. Because the word belief, where does it come from? Do you know? Mm. Oh, man, this was one of the greatest teaching moments of my life. Can I share it? It's politically Yeah, correct. please. Let's do it. Yeah, I love it. So the word belief comes from the roots be love. Okay? And when my dad passed, I was one of these fire and brimstone Baptist types, right? And my dad was an atheist. And one of my friends comes up to me a few days after he passed. I'd never lost love in my life. I didn't know what to do. And he says, hey, bro, I'm sorry. And I said, thank you. You know, like, like you would. Mm -hmm. He says, I know your dad wasn't saved. And, and, and basically walking up to a guy that just lost his dad saying, you guys, yeah, like, like, tough one. like and, and, and I'm sitting there like, and I can feel this visceral reaction in my body. And I'm like, uh, 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 like, like I'm breaking, I'm fucking breaking inside. And I want to break his neck. And he's been one of my friends forever. And I'm like, and I stop. I'm like, you know what, bro? Because I, I'm, I'm, I'm already in this lesson arch that my dad had put me in because I have to quantify it. I have to understand it. I have to solve the problem. I'm an entrepreneur. Problems are good, right? But how do I solve this one? I've never lost love. I've never felt a problem at this level. And I looked at him and I've never talked to this guy since. And I, I probably still don't want to because there's still some emotion there. But I looked at him and I said, you know, in your book, in our book, Christ said, love him above all else, then love each other. Two most important commandments. So you would say you're saved by grace through faith. You must believe in God, right? You must believe in Christ. Well, let me ask you a question. If Isaiah was the first chapter in that book where Christ was predicted, was Abraham saved? Oh, maybe he wasn't. Is Abraham in hell? How do we know? Christ himself in our book said, thou shalt not test the Lord thy God. And so you're going to tell me that God can't send Jesus to meet my dad right on the other side and say, hey, here's how it was. You're telling me you know the rules. You know exactly how it works. Mm. Here's what I'll tell you. Instead of believing in, how about you be loving in? What the fuck do you think you were doing walking up to me saying that? Be love. Believe is be love. The word relieve is relove or lift up. Hmm. And so for me, you know, I was able to tell this man, instead of punching him in his fucking throat, be love. I love you enough not to slug you. Please don't show up at the funeral. I never want to see you again. But you're missing the point. If God is love and God is forgiving, maybe we should be love in God. Maybe we should be love in our idea. And when you have an idea, an idea is a belief. And when you have a belief, it is be love. And when you are vulnerable, and when you are credible, and when you are fucking real, man, often.
authenticity and electricity are the two greatest sources of power on the entire fucking planet. When you're vulnerable, you're credible. You're authentic. People are like, I fucking love that. When you are fake as shit, people are like, I don't trust that guy. Oh, <laughs> he looks like a bitch. Like, whatever, right? Yeah. Like, like, when you see this person and you're like, fuck, man, that person believes. That's the one that you're like, I'm in. When you have a business, you have a fucking idea. When you have an idea, you have a belief. When you have a belief in it is really loving, you solve a problem, your sales is a solution to someone, they buy into you. They buy into your fucking dream because they see themselves making it a reality. They want to be a part of that. Everybody's looking for a tribe. What do you think a culture is? A culture, the first four letters is cult. What's a cult? It's an identity, a group identity. It doesn't have to be David Koresh in Waco fucking Texas. Okay, it could be a bunch of people that are like, we're going to solve a problem and help some people. I mean, language is power, man. Any of your 20-year-old clients, if you fucking believe in something, you need to be love in that thing enough to go out and give everything that you fucking are to make it real, and people will fucking follow you. Everyone's looking for a leader. Woo. Now, that was a powerful, passionate, authentic close. I got to wrap it up on that because I don't think we can do any better than that. Preston, that was crazy. That was crazy good, dude. That was exciting. Awesome. So how can people get a hold of you? Is there events coming up? Do you have a masterclass? Do you, you know, what do you, what do you got for them? Um, I, I have, you know, really, I, I believe that like everyone out there should have access to the, this information. I give this information away for free. I do, I do do coaching as well. So if anybody wants that, you can message me and it's, it's there. Um, but I provide all of this on my social media, my TikTok, my Instagram, my Facebook. It's at the Preston Brown on, on most of them. And I, I provide all of it for free. Some people, they, they like go to the gym and they're like, hey, man, I need that trainer. I want the trainer. I have a $5,000 eight-week course. And it like it literally goes through every single thing you need for any entrepreneur to scale. We took a guy last week who had, I mean, he had a $10 million business. It was a $10 million business. He services uh, companies like uh, Exxon, Chevron, and this, that, and the other. And he has like this like production system where he like loads vehicles and this, that, and the other. And then also this trucking piece. And we're like, well, the trucking piece is an investment. Why can't you just hire out other truckers? Increase his business 5X in a fucking day. One day. One day his business 5 exploded. I'm so proud of him. And like, that, that's our eight-week program. We're going to go in and find all the stop gaps, the capacity issues, everything. That's like a $5,000 program. But here's the thing. You don't need it. You don't need it. It's all fucking free. I literally give it away all for free. Go pick it up. There's gold in the streets. No different than this market. No different than this economy. No different than this recession. There's going to be deals everywhere. Information is free. You know why I was initially attracted to Tony Robbins? And I still think everybody should go fucking watch his shit. He's amazing. Because he gives it away all for free online. It, it all, I, I say this, I say this all the time. This guy's making billions. He gives it all away in YouTube videos. And, and then people, people go follow him because he's authentic like, and he's real. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And, and so exactly. it's all for free on my social media. Check that out. If you want coaching, like, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same as you. They can come and they can pay for coaching. Like, like I have a it's a a, a weekly mentoring thing. It's like 500 bucks a month. I've got this high-level mastermind, which is I don't even know how much it is now. I think it's maybe 40 grand a year. And, and we just travel the world. We go to destination locations. We do epic fucking shit. Like it's, we have event planners and coordinators. Like one day you're swimming with great white sharks. The next day you're jumping out of airplanes. The next day you're learning biohacking from Dave Asprey. Mm -hmm. Dave Asprey's joined our group now. He 
freaking incredible. My my health coach and wellness coach now is JJ Virgin. Like she joined the group. Like incredible human beings. Like just world changers traveling around together. That one we don't let anybody in. You have to get invited. But but sure. there's three ways. Like I mean, the weekly group coaching for anyone they can afford that. That's like five hundred bucks a month. The eight week program. That's the one I really recommend if people want it because it'll change your life. Like it's 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 five grand. It's hundred percent guaranteed. If you don't get value out of it and you attend, you can have your money back because, like, then then in that case you were just a vegetable. You just didn't pay attention. Yeah. And if you're not gonna pay attention, I don't even want your money. Like the only reason I'm charging you fucking money is because I want you to spend to get. Because normally in exchange, I, I coach people for free for like three or four years. They didn't do shit. And I'm a good fucking coach. <laughs> like, if I charge you five grand, you'll care. And then when I charge you five grand and you care, you'll get this. You'll be like, I just increased the value of my company, $40 million. Uh-huh. <laughs> For five grand. What can I do? Nothing. Fucking go change the fucking world. You know? Love your energy, brother. Awesome. Awesome. I want to be respectful of your time. I want to wrap up on that. They guys know how to find you. The Preston Brown, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever. Catch up with them. Get his stuff. Engage with them. Change the world. Preston, thanks for being on the show, brother. Joe, thank you, brother.